Do you feel beautiful? Do you look beautiful? Does one really affect the other? Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out with host Bonnie Bonadeo. In our show, we'll help you uncover your true self and unleash beauty that you never knew existed in order to be at your best, both inside and out. Now, here is your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out show and Happy New Year to everybody. I know we've kicked off the new year um, in a great way. And this year, uh, we are all about theming our shows. So you're going to see that there's like a great theme each and every month to be able to kind of cater to conversations that you've requested. And this month, we're talking about what's new and what do we need to know? Because I think everybody, everybody understands when we go into a new year, it's always about what can I do to be more healthy? What can I do to find the relationship I want? What can I do to change my jobs or start my own business? And it's really about change. But I think one of the most important things that we need to take into consideration is none of all, none of those great things that we want to happen and all of that inspiration and motivation that we have at the beginning of the year is going to work for us if we're not healthy. And so part of beauty inside and out is being able to make sure that, that your health is in order. And we know, we know this is that terrible, terrible time of year. I, I, I'm, I'm a fanatic this time of year. I literally, if I could get away with wearing the mask on planes, I would, but then everybody thinks that I'm sick. And I don't want that to be happen, but I have a scarf that I put around me and I kind of almost am like covering my face during flights and while in airports are surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people because I know that this is the time of year that flus come around. And I think that we all panic about that. So I'm very excited to be able to have this conversation with my guest today, Dr. Ken Redcross, and he is an MD, an internist, and the founder of Red Cross Concierge. And it's a personalized medical practice uh, designed to enhance that patient-doctor relationship. And thank you. Thank you, Dr. Red Cross, for being with us. So first, um, I, I don't want to have to have a conversation about flu, but I know we have to. Do we do. Sorry, we can't get away from it, Bonnie. I'm sorry. I, I just, I feel like it's like if I'm having the conversation about it, it's going to show up any day. But... I am interested and I'm and I want to really be the average consumer here to find out not only what we can do to be more preventative in regards to this flu attacking us and also then getting spread but I'm very interested in the doctor patient relationship conversation because I just moved to Atlanta and although I was transitioning all of last year from everything that I had in my home state of Arizona like this year I'm officially looking for new doctors, looking to be able to build those relationships. So I'm very interested in that conversation too. And I know we're going to have all of that in our time together today. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. You know, I'm so excited because you're right. This is the perfect time of year for us to start talking about the flu and how we keep it away from our homes and from our bodies. And that's why this is the perfect time to talk about health in January. It, it really is. I mean, I know that I take initiatives to be able to be more healthy. Um, I look at ways that I can say, how do I up my game a little bit? You know, because each and every year yeah. that I'm getting older, it's getting harder to stay in my clothes that I own <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> without putting them in the fat pile, right? right? And so I am interested in that. But more importantly, 
uh, what I've found over the years is that I seem to be getting more and more sensitivities to things. And so I'm yeah. having to make sure that my diet in is, is in order, um, that I'm keeping my immune system up because yeah. I know that the minute that my immune system gets a little beat up, I am incredibly susceptible. And I think that I, I might be one of many that fall into that category. No, absolutely, Bonnie. And so you bring up something else that's even more important because one of the things you'll always hear me say is food is medicine. And when mm -hmm. you think about food that way, Bonnie, we focus a lot because we need to think of some foods that are immune boosting, especially during this time of year. And the thing is, there are some good foods that are out there that can make a difference. But once again, you have to make sure that you take that upon yourself to say, hey, I'm going to really kind of boost up my game as well. That's where, that's where I'm in the driver's seat and I'm and trying to be preventive to not have to go to the doctor and everything. But before we go there into all of this good information that is going to be very, very important for everybody to hear today, um, I, have to, I have to ask you, you know, how you got your start into being this, this doctor, this internist, and, um, you know, where was your passion lied and how, how far back into your childhood did you know this was what I was going to be doing? Oh my gosh, that's a that's a, a wonderful question. I'll give you the abridged version because I have a pretty good story. I'm very, very blessed, let me tell you. So, you know, for me, it's very interesting because I'm an only child. I'm the only doctor in my family, at least immediate family. So I always knew that I adored people. I knew I adored people and I was one of those science kids. I remember I had a little bit of a chemistry sit when I was a kid and I'd go out and find frogs and that sort of thing. Um, and just realized that science is something with people I had to do. And so I realized by the time I got to, to biology and into, into college that this is something that was going to be a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up doing some time, even before I was a student in Puerto Rico, working in El Junque in the rainforest. Um, and so it was something that was something I was always very passionate about. And also, my last name being Red Cross. Um, that's <laughs> I was going to ask uh, about that. <laughs> I knew that was coming. And that's so important to me as well because that's of Native American ancestry. So the first Red Cross was in 1787. And if you hear it passed down kind of from the elders, we were involved in medicine. We were involved in health and healing. And so it's something else that I kind of really held very close to my heart. So I had a lot of little reasons that made me kind of go this direction to figure out how can I heal people, not only physically, but also spiritually. Oh, I love that. That is a great story. And, and you know, I don't think that, I think the Ancestry.com and all of this information that's coming out helps us get a little bit closer to, um, you know, our names and our relatives and, um, you know, kind of like how, how we're designed. Um, but I love that. That's a great story. And so you knew, you kind of knew this was your path. You know, I did. And I knew for me as well that internal medicine was going to be the important one for me as well, because it's different, right? That's on the medicine side of the arm. There's also a surgical side of the arm. But the thing is, it doesn't allow me to impact souls the way I want to. I'm a talker. Um, and I can't talk if the patient's under anesthesia um, to have surgery. So I knew that internal medicine was for me because I could build those long life relationships that I love so much. And so my career this way allows me to do just that. I, I love that. Um, the, 
the interesting thing that's happening nowadays, you know, with health care or health insurance, as I should say, is becoming so much more difficult and we're frustrated by it that I think that we feel like the relationship with our doctors is, is kind of, you know, um, being questioned and, right. you know, and, and not, and we're not allowed to continue having those relationships with our doctors. But what I'm finding is that people are like, I don't care if I have to pay cash, I'll pay cash. Cause I'm not switching right. doctors. Cause I love this doctor. So the relationship is valid. No, it really is. And it's funny. You, you pointed out something very important. So right now we recognize doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. We have 33 million people who don't have health insurance and maybe more because that number is fluctuating. Mm-hmm. But it's important because we're starting to recognize that medicine is starting to be based more on volume than value. And so that's why I switched my practice, gosh, back in 07 to where I was doing more of concierge medicine, where I make house calls. I have my little black bag right outside in my truck no. for me to make house calls. Yes, I really do. Um, and so it allows me to, just like a concierge at the hotel, Bonnie, be there for the patient. And so that's why I transitioned because medicine really has started to change a bit. So when you talk about being an internist, what are some of those categories that fall under the type of patients that you are working with and providing that type of support to? Oh, my gosh. You can run the gamut. I mean, you know, the typical uh, heart attack, stroke, um, diabetes, um, hypertension, dementia, or Alzheimer's disease. That's the good thing about internal medicine. There's nothing that doesn't come through my door that doesn't really affect everyone in our family. The only thing I don't do, I don't see children anymore. I usually go down to maybe age 16 or so. That's about the only thing that's different in the patients that I see. So any disease that comes through, whether it even be GI diseases, it doesn't matter. Internal medicine, we kind of do it all as we're the gatekeeper in, in healthcare. So you're running from the head to the toes, right? From the head to the toes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Now, you have a practice, in, yeah. and then part of this practice also is this concierge service that you're doing, um, but you also wrote a book as well. I did. You know, thank you. So the, the book is called Bond, and it's the importance, obviously, of the patient-doctor bond or relationship. And I talk about four things that are very important, trust, respect, empathy, and communication. Mm-hmm. Because I recognize that if you don't have all of those with your doctor, one of the cornerstones falls and it doesn't have that relationship that I think everyone should, should really have with their doctor. I say a doctor should feel like a member of your family. That's the key. That's the way it should be, I feel. Now, why do you think it is that we as patients, I mean, obviously, if we're going to visit the doctor, it's because something's not right with us and we want to write whatever is going on. And yet then we have this inability to be able to communicate effectively or share everything that we might be feeling or experiencing. Yeah. And it's also the the main thing we're starting to find now is the the time constraints. Try, you know, on average, an internist will see their patient in the United States on average for seven and a half minutes. Now, I don't know about you, but in seven and a half minutes, try figuring out, have you had your mammogram? Had you had your colonoscopy? How was your daughter's wedding last month? Do you have any other complaints? Try doing that sort of thing and really being able to get into the patient's soul in seven and a half minutes. It's impossible. And patients are starting to feel that crunch and start to feel very unfulfilled. And it's something that's kind of spilling out into the healthcare arena at this point. 
So they, they know that they feel rushed going into it because there is this essence of being rushed. And then what they Absolutely. do is they, they try to only bring out the things that they think are most important, but what might be hidden could be the difference in the communication and the relationship that you have. No, absolutely. And then that also impacts the trust. If you're getting there, you're feeling rushed by a doctor. How can you trust the, the diagnosis? How can you trust that they actually feel what you're feeling? One of the things I mentioned is empathy. Do they care? Yeah. Do they care about how I'm feeling or that I decided to wait in their waiting room for two and a half hours to see you and you give me seven and a half minutes of your time? Um, and so those are the kind of pitfalls that you kind of go through that you try to maneuver to try to get that relationship and the bond with the doctor that you see eye to eye with. Look, it's a challenge and it's something that you really have to be proactive with, but it's something that each and everyone out there watching this deserves. You deserve to feel that that doctor's a member of your family and you get your questions answered and your problems heard. So how do, you, how do you balance that out then? You know, to be a successful doctor and to be able to serve as many patients as you have to, how do you change that seven and a half minutes with your, with your patients? You know, that's why I said for me, you know, it's been, I've been in practice for almost 20 years now. And so I was in that kind of rat race for a while where I myself felt unfulfilled. I felt that I couldn't offer everything that the patient actually deserved during the visit. So that's why I transitioned into more of my concierge um, kind of setup where I can spend an hour with the patient. Some patients I spend more than that, especially if I'm going to go travel to see them. So I was very fortunate and blessed enough to kind of back up a little bit and say, you know what, hold on. What makes me happy? What fulfills me? And what can I do to fulfill the patient? And Patients love it and they're happy about that. And so then I know I'm doing something right. Yeah. And I think that there's so much more to the preparation. Um, you know, I mean, I think we all know what those basic forms are that we have to fill out prior to seeing our doctor. Yeah. But sometimes right. I think that the questions, the right questions aren't being asked. Right. Right. No, I think you're right there, Bonnie. And, you know, one of the other things that's important is that lots of times the doctor's offices, sometimes they'll email you the forms because that's, once again, a little bit of a, of a waste of, of time at that point. What I tell mm -hmm. patients, kind of come in with a game plan before you go into your doctor's office. What are these three or four things that you would love to have addressed? Because let me tell you this. One of the studies shows that when patients end up going in there to see their doctor, they usually only remember 20% of what the doctor discussed. And the 20%, half of it's wrong. So the point of all of this is have a game plan. Have a plan of what you wanna make sure that is kind of uh, taken care of during that visit because you need to go back to your family or even better, bring an advocate with you. Someone that can kind of help increase that retention as to what just happened during that visit. Are my questions answered or, or, or what? And so that's the important part. Uh, I agree with that so much. I had a friend that was going through some, some unique cancer treatments and, you know, other than the traditional chemotherapy and everything. Um, and so I would go to her to those doctor's appointments because she had this basis of knowledge of what she's done. Right. And it was so familiar to her with the way that her treatments mm -hmm. were going at this point that a lot of information I felt was missing in that communication with her doctor and so I was able to kind of like moderate the two conversations and say, oh, well, what about this? And, you know, what about right. that? And I know that that, that really helped a lot. Um, I'm also concerned with, you know, some of the elderly at this point that, um, 
they're they're going in and uh, not sharing all the information that they need to, or in a case that's very personal to me where my father's been diagnosed with dementia and my mother refuses to wear hearing aids. So then I I really question how much information is she hearing from that doctor to be able to support my father in his transition that he's going through. No, and that's important. You know, it just is important to to make sure that when you finish with the doctor, and the doctor, hopefully a lot of us are doing this, and some of my colleagues are, but you kind of need to circle back a little bit as well, Bonnie. Like, did you, do you understand everything we talked about today, and do you understand the plan? You know, you, you, try, to make like that. Visit, you try to make that visit with your doctor. You want to make it fun. You want to make it like you guys are building a business together. You guys are building a business to keep you healthy and whole. So let's build this business. I would never, ever let my business partner walk out of there without their to-do list about what their role is in this business. And so that's the business of healthcare, I think. I think that's the way people should look at it. That's what what makes me happy and feel, like I said, extremely fortunate to do what I do. Uh, I love that. I mean, just the way you said that, it was was more than a, a patient relationship. It was a partner and that both parties are responsible for some actions in order for, you know, both of us to prosper, you know, no, we prosperity we, we and everything. So it makes a lot of, so I, I totally get that from the trust and the respect. What about the empathy? Let's talk a little bit about the empathy part of this relationship. Um, because I, I think that we're all overwhelmed by, you know, is it going to be covered? Um, how much should I share? Does my doctor want to know that I've done research online or is he yeah. going to think I'm being foolish by bringing these, you know, th- this information forward that I've done my own re- research on? Yeah, you know, that's what I love to always say. The, the, the best and the, and the greatest doctor out there, the patients will tell you, is Dr. Google. Um, and <laughs> Dr. Google, but hey, it's okay. I look at Dr. Google as a colleague. And the reason why is this. Because when patients are doing that, Bonnie, I had to think, why are they doing that? Number one, they're doing that because they're scared. They're scared, yes. And they want more information. And so I use that as an ability to be able to educate. So when they bring in some of the paperwork, you can go through some of it depending on your timing and that sort of thing. But the point is, you have to embrace those sort of things because I think the patient is trying to tell you something very special and unique there. So when you're talking about empathy, That's the part that I really, really love to talk about because, once again, that's the soul and the spirit of the whole patient-doctor relationship, Uh, and it's something that really needs to be fostered. Everybody has their own way. Some people will do that through religion. Some people will do that through uh, prayer. Some people will do that through meditation. But the point is that each and every one of us has something that kind of flicks that switch for us to feel that the doctor is being empathetic. Uh, and uh, you know what? And I totally get that because part of your bio was wellness counseling. And to yeah. me, that, that goes hand in hand right there. I, yeah. I don't want to be, you know, like sickness diagnosed. I need wellness counseling. Yeah, yeah, that's important. And that's so much more. Look, it's easy to get there. I'm not a big fan of prescriptions, Bonnie, if we don't need them. I'm on a little bit more on the, on the holistic side of healing, even though I know that there's a role, obviously, for Western treatment. But it's one of those things that really starts to bridge the gap uh, between a lot of patients who follow me or, or catch up with me because they understand this isn't going to be a prescription factory or this isn't going to be a, a pill popping session because we have so much more outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that we have to rein in. 
Are you stressed? Are you getting sleep? Are you made? There's so much more going on. And we have to we have to be more proactive in our own health with that, other than just kind of taking care of the symptoms with another medication. Um, I was watching the news this morning, and they were sharing that this you know, potential obesity of America is yeah. you know growing, and it's like you know we're five percent fatter than we were ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's true, and we're. I think it's going to continue to get worse. And, you know, at that, that borderline where you're, you know, healthy to obese, we know that health does, you know, heart disease and diabetes and these, you know, number one and number two killers of both men and women are just going to get more prevalent. So, you know, what do you recommend then as this concierge doctor to be able to say, Hey, here's, here's some of the things that I do in this relationship to be able to have you look at the way you're living your life. Well, you know, Bonnie, it's funny you ask, because I, I was going to say two things, but actually there's three things that are important here. Number one, you're talking about the obesity epidemic. Just today, the number one diet that came out as far as for all of our health at this point is the Mediterranean diet. Yeah. It wins out again. You know, you have communities that are living into their 90s and villages that are following a Mediterranean diet, high in nuts, high in fish, a couple of um, uh, maybe a day or so of meat, red meat throughout the week, but not as much as we do. The other part starts to really get on the S word. I usually don't say it, but I'll say it just for your show, stress, because I don't put it in my, I don't put it in my area. Um, but stress is something that's important because look, it's a risk factor for heart disease. We know that. So we have to think about things that can help minimize that as well. And then the last piece, I know everyone says, Doc, everybody says it, I want to lose weight, is exercise. I guess I should call that the E word, right? <laughs> but exercise is very important. And don't say you don't have enough time. So on my side, Bonnie, I'm a CrossFitter. So I'm one of those crazy guys who is I in the gym tell. five or six days. <laughs> so, you know, five or six days throughout the week. And so people say, well, Doc, I don't have the time. So I say, yes, you do, because there's a study that came out. This one was from either the CDC or the WHO, um, the World Health Organization. And they said you only need, and it depends, high-intensity interval training at 15 minutes to 30 minutes can equal that of an hour. So if you can give me, Dr. Red Cross, and everybody else 15 minutes of your life, I'll be so appreciative because your body will appreciate that as well. So you can get that in. Those three things are so, so important. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm an orange theorist. That's, that's kind of my thing. But I got to tell you, I hate it. Every time I go, I hate it. But because it's all measured and monitored, yeah. I eventually get into the process of it. Because like you just said, that 15 minutes. Yeah. So my goal of that one hour session that I'm in is I have to get my heart rate up for that, for that 15 minutes. So Perfect. I know that the one hour had value. That's right. That's you know, and right. listen, 15 minutes of it is like, I'm like cursing myself going, why do I do this? I hate this. I, oh, I got to find a new exercise program. But then 15 minutes of it, I start to feel good. I feel my yeah. lungs expanding. I feel That's my, right. my, my mental capacity and creativity expanding. Um, and then I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing it. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, I love the Mediterranean diet concept. Stress is something that we're, I think we fear that doctors just use stress as a very broad umbrella of yeah. stress. But I think what happens is that we're not, um, 
we're not looking. We're, like I could say, oh, I'm not stressed. But if right. I'm not taking good care of myself or if I'm unhappy in a particular part of my life, I'm still sure. stressed. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that we think that stress has to be like out of control feelings. But the truth is, is it's, it's, it's subtle unhappiness can be the yeah. stressor. And, you know, one of the things that I like to do on my show on Beauty Inside and Out is make sure that I have that diversity of doctors like you that share really great information for us to live healthy lives. But then other people that have a more spiritual or holistic side to them that give us yeah. tips and cues of how to reduce stress even when we don't think that we have it. Because I know I run on a high level of stress. Yeah. Um, but I also understand when it's good stress and you know, healthy stress or unhealthy stress. Right. And you're right. There is a difference, right? Because there is a certain stress that allows you to perform your job well. Mm -hmm. It allows you to rise to the occasion should you have a big presentation to do. That bad stress is the one that starts to impact your life. That one that starts you coming to my office and you're having palpitations. When we talk and say, well, let's go a little bit deeper into that. Or somebody who comes in that's had this phantom abdominal pain. And you realize they have irritable bowel syndrome that's being flared up by stress. So you're right. Stress can sometimes feel like a catch-all, but that's because stress can cause so many other physical ailments within your body as well. It, it certainly can. So we have a couple more minutes before we're going to take a break. So sure. in this book that you wrote, Bond, you wrote it for patients to be able to support how to be able to have a better relationship with their doctors? You know, I did. And I have one little section through each chapter that's called Behind the Curtain that's kind of a little piece that's, a, that's also to the doctor as well. Now, that's interesting because some of the docs are going to say, look, 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 Ken, I'm not calling a patient on Sunday just to say hello. Those are some of the things that I like to do sometimes. So, look, it doesn't fit for every person or every doc. I just share some of those things that I think are just fun that I think um, helps with the bond and makes people happy. So it's primarily for patients, but you're right. I have a little section for docs to say, you know, I, I kind of like that. Maybe I'd do that if Dr. Red Cross does. Well, I think I it certainly would make an impact, I'm sure, because if a doctor called me on Sunday to say hi or even just to check in with me, I would think that yeah. would be phenomenal. Like I would be like, wow, that is impressive. Yeah. So Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that uh, we're going to be talking about the flu in this next segment, and you've got lots of information around us because we have to kind of go back and talk about what's all happening with the flu because I think we're, we're confused. I think as, as average consumers, we're very confused by all these different strains. Is the flu shot going to help me? What are some things I can do to prevent it from, you know, me getting it and then also my family getting it. Um, how do I protect myself when I'm out in the environment? So all those questions I can't wait to get answered when we come back from our break. And I know that you have those questions too. So um, uh, we'll, we'll do a follow-up here with Dr. Red Cross um, and highlight some of the features of this on our Facebook page. So if you want to join the group and be a part of the after show conversation, you can go to Beauty Inside and Out Show Group and uh, jump on, join us, because there's always a little bit of follow-up that we do from these shows to be able to help support the conversation and keep it going a little bit longer. Because flu season doesn't end just because our show may end. Flu season goes on till what? May? Yeah, absolutely. And last year went even a little bit further than that. So don't think that the, that the summer months that you, you can let your hair down yet. 
Yes, true. So good. So stay with us, everybody, because when we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Red Cross about how to be able to be preventative in regards to the flu this season. Stay with us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions to profits to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. That's bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Beauty Inside and Out Radio. I'm your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, and my guest today is Dr. Ken Redcross, and he is a medical doctor, internist, and also what he calls a concierge service uh, for his patients, which kind of goes back to the olden days, like Little House in the Prairie, where you go oh, visit your God. patients at home and give them that undivided attention and that quality right. time to be able to support their in their wellness. And you mentioned, uh, Dr. Red Cross, that you, know, you kind of take on a holistic approach, even though you're a medical doctor. And I, I, re- I think a lot of people find that a refreshing approach because we know that there are some things we can do to certainly help us once we're sick, but I think the holistic side is us taking responsibility and being a little bit more preventative to yeah. our own health and wellness in here. So I know in this segment we're going to talk about the ugly flu. Yes. And, yes. Um, and what, uh, what are some great ways that you're going to share with us to be able to kind of be more preventative. But, you know, each year I hear on the news, you know, I'm watching the morning news and they're talking about, okay, so it's time to get your flu shot or this particular strain that, you know, is coming out is a little different from last year. And and I think that the, you know, the CDC is trying as hard as they can to manufacture a preventative shot for the yeah. flu, but what can we expect going into our, our flu season this right now? All right. So let me, let me at least do, I'll do a little bit of kind of flu one-on-one at first body, just so that we can make sure we're all on the same page. So when we talk about the flu, you want to think about fevers, chills, and body aches. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the difference between that a flu and a cold is the next question that typically comes. The, the flu comes on abruptly and those body aches really help differentiate when you have a cold, tends to be more upper respiratory, nasal, sometimes some chest congestion, but you can keep going on and the fever is not usually as high. 
Now, our children are a little bit different. Children don't say, hey, mom and dad, I have body aches. They typically can have a rash with the fever as well. You also find that children become a little more listless. They're not eating and drinking as much. So that's kind of how they present with the flu. So just something to keep in mind. Now, to your point, last year's flu was it was very devastating. You know, unfortunately, we lost over 180 children. Oh, it that's was, a lot. Uh, a lot. And it's not typically that way. Last year's strain, to your mention of four about strains, was H3N2 strain. Now, that strain typically is the most aggressive strain. Now, one thing to think about, at least for this year, if there's something that I have to at least be very happy about is that this year's strain is the H1N1 strain. Now, this was the swine flu that we had some time ago. So this flu is still something that can cause a lot of problems, but it's usually not as aggressive as H3N2. I say that was one caveat. Right now, we're seeing across the United States now, Bonnie, that the flu activity is really starting to become a little more rampant now. So now it's starting to go up again a little bit like it was last year. So we want to make sure that as some of the things that we talk about today that we get on board. But I just wanted to make sure everyone understood when are we dealing with the flu, what sort of strains we're dealing with, and how we're going to kind of battle through that throughout the season. Uh, so this flu shot philosophy, yeah. recommended, yes, everybody? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, I'll tell you this. Have you had it before? Should you start? I like. You know, this is a tough question here, Bonnie, because the flu vaccine is, 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 is this as polarizing as politics for some people nowadays, right? <laughs> it um, is for me. <laughs> see, yeah, no, and, and, and everyone else out there too, I'm sure. I'll tell you this, everyone. So as an internist, I'll be very honest. I've been through back and forth with the flu vaccine, even in my own practice. There were certain years that H1N1 year back in like 2009 or so, where the vaccine wasn't so great. So my patients were kind of back and forth with that. And we talked a lot about holistic options. Last year was a year that we know we needed to get our flu vaccine. And I'd say this year is another good year, especially after coming off last year's season coming in. Now, the flu vaccine is so challenging because people will say, well, doc, if I can still get sick, what's the point? Well, because the flu vaccine does some other important things. Number one, if you do get the flu, it makes it a little less aggressive or you get better quicker. It can also mm -hmm. help you with one of the dreaded complications of the flu, which is pneumonia. And that's why you see so many people die from the flu. It's from usually a, a pneumonia or either causing heart failure as well. So the flu vaccine has some benefits. So this year, I would definitely suggest it is a really good idea to go out and get the vaccine. You're supposed to get it if you're six months and older for the flu vaccine. Oh, wow. Now, I was told, and this may not be the truth anymore, which is why I am not a flu vaccine person, but um, because I have some shellfish and egg allergies, they did not recommend that I get it. Is it still based on something that I might be allergic to, or do I have options today? You know, another great question there, Bonnie. So, yes, the, the newer recommendations per the CDC is that if you have had an egg allergy, you actually can, yes, get the flu vaccine. Now, there's only one caveat. So if you had what's called anaphylaxis, meaning you were hospitalized, you required you know, heavy attention, no, you shouldn't be getting that vaccine. Once again, it's a great discussion to have with your doctor one-on-one, but the reason why that you're mentioning that is because the flu vaccine is actually grown in, the, in an egg media. Um, so that's why there was some concern if that was the reason why. But they're finding out now that if you've had only a little reaction, you actually can. But once again, I'd make sure you talk with your doctor about that. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I have been eating eggs to help yeah. 
build that allergy immunity. Um, but I got to eat eggs a lot in order to keep up on that. Otherwise, I get I do get sensitive and stuff. So it's pro- right. probably good to get it again. Now, when you said that you knew that it was the H one N one, is it that just based on because people have already had the flu this season and that's the strain that you're seeing? So now you can kind of like build the right antidote and. No, that's a good way to say it. You know, so what happens each and every year, everyone, is that we are able to kind of, in a sense, predict the flu pattern. So we know certain strains are coming from either the southern hemisphere or the eastern sweeping over to us. And so we're able to see which strains are more common. And that's how we do that. Like I said, last year, the H3N2 was more dominant. This year, the H1N1 is more dominant. So there's other strains that kind of go around. You know, that's the other question. People will say, well, what are my chances of getting the flu? It's about a 5 to 20% chance of getting the flu. Now, some people will sometimes, Bonnie, say, well, 5, 20%, that's not bad, Dr. Red Cross, but listen to this. You can get the flu more than once in a season. There's 24 uh, strains that are circulating. So don't and, just hang your hat on that, you know. And, say, and once you chances. get – a flu, your immunity goes down, and you might be thinking you're getting better. But, you know, really what I hear from people nowadays is if they get it, especially people that were getting older and yeah. were very busy people, is that it's taking two and three weeks for them to fully recover. Well, that's, that's not healthy. That's too much time. So that's stressful for a lot of people that, you know, can't be down or resting to that degree. Yeah, it's very difficult. So that's why I say for some people who argue a little bit about the flu vaccine, that's one of the things that honestly the flu vaccine helps. It helps to, to shorten that, that time frame, that severity. In addition to making sure that you're also doing some things on the diet side to, to kind of help boost your immune system as well. That's what I always talk about when I talk with patients. As we talk about the vaccine, they understand that I'm also talking about it with other things used as adjuncts, other things to support the immune system. So we're not you know, putting our whole penny down on the flu vaccine, keeping us out of harm's way. And so what are some of those things that we can do? Well, you know, so one of the things like when you when you go to the grocery store, you know, you everything on the everything on the outside of the periphery of the grocery store <laughs> is where you want to live, right? That's the important part. So, it's just not as much fun. It isn't as much fun, but I'm gonna I'm gonna burst some people there because you're right, it won't be as much fun. But when you go around there, when you think about fruits, especially during this time of year, we just had obviously Thanksgiving, we just had Christmas, but cranberries are great. Cranberries mm-hmm. are sure I love cranberries. Healthy. Yeah, and I do too. And they're able to help boost your immune system. There was a study in the uh, Journal of Nutrition that talked about the polyphenols. Polyphenols are very important. They're antioxidants. And we understand that antioxidants are important to get rid of free radicals. In other words, when we have damage to our cells and to our tissues. The other thing that's really important as well are mushrooms. Mushrooms are antiviral, they're antibacterial, and they're also antifungal. Now, we can get mushrooms a lot of different ways. Now, mushrooms, the one I'm talking about in particular is the shiitake mushroom. That's the one that has a lot of uh, medicinal benefits. Now, I realize a lot of my patients will say, Doc, it's not easy for me to get it into my diet. I usually mention to my patients about one of the better medicinal mushroom supplements. It's called AHCC. Now, when I talk to patients, I mention AHCC for a couple of important reasons. Number one it has over 30 human clinical trials. And these are trials from Harvard, Yale, MD Anderson, so there's data. The other thing with AHCC, has been shown to be able to boost our immune system to help potentiate the benefits 
of the flu vaccine. So that way, when I talk to patients, I say, look, look into AHCC, do the research. They have a website, ahccresearch.org. People can look at that and say, you know what, doc, you're right. There's, there's information there because you want to make sure that everybody is armed with data. The other thing to think about as well are fish. Fishes are so great, especially cold water fish, salmon, um, tuna. I mentioned them in particular because the omega-3 has been shown to help increase our white blood cell count. And that's what we want to have happen. And in fact, there's even a place at nutrientpower.org. I like that website because you can order what's called an omega-3 index. And Bonnie, what happens is that you order a kit and you get it at home. It's a finger stick. And you find out where are you lying as far as the amount of omega-3 in your diet. And that's a big deal because it's not only about protecting for the immune system, but we know it's also good for our brain health and for our cardiovascular health. And so these are things that are simple to have in your cupboards and in your refrigerator to boost your immune system throughout this time of year. Now, in regards to the mushrooms, does, do you lose the effect of the mushrooms if they're cooked? Well, you know, that's another good question. So you want to have the mushrooms that are unadulterated as much as you can. You'll see some people. So, for instance, when I mention AHCC, they have a medicinal mixture that already has their complex. I'll have some patients who will use um, hot water, and they'll actually use something like morels. Morels are dried mushrooms. And they'll do it that way and use the hot water, and they'll sip it as a tea throughout the day. Yeah, I've uh, seen that. And they actually, um, one of the my guests a, 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 a year or so back, I think, they are developing mushroom coffee. And so yeah. it's, got a, it's got a high level of, uh, of antioxidants in it. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't, you know, I mean, I'm a coffee lover, so it wasn't necessarily my favorite. But, it, you know, for... If it was something that I would do like midday, because I don't need to drink right. coffee all day long, but if it midday to be able to kind of boost my immune system, I would definitely do that. So I love the idea of uh, mushrooms and everything that you just suggested here. Yeah, and all of those are very important. And once again, when you're putting things into your body, especially during this time of year, think about what's going in your body. Your body is a beautiful machine that we've been given. So therefore, sugar is not our fan. Sure. Oh, and well, thank God the Christmas cookies are done. I, I meant to say not our friend. I'm sorry, but you're right. No Christmas cookies. I'm sorry. Maybe one. But the reason why I say that is that sugar causes inflammation. Inflammation causes disease. So you want to be careful this time of year as well. And it's not great for our immune system either. So, you know, you have to make sure you're being a little bit careful of what you're putting into your body. Mm, yes, yes. The sugar addiction is real and alive with a lot of us. I, I know it. I know it is with me. Okay, so we're getting the flu shot. We're eating good foods that are building up our immune systems. We get the flu anyway. Yeah. yeah. Whether we got the shot or whether we didn't get the shot, there is that um, shot that that flu shot that they provide you when when you go to the doctor. Does that help? Okay, so the the flu shot itself. So the, what you'll see in the flu shot is either trivalent or quadrivalent, meaning that there's three strains or four strains, which is never one you get. They usually say the four strain for the older population, 65 and older, and that sort of thing. So it depends. Last year's flu vaccine was about 37, 38 percent effective. The challenge, Bonnie, is that it was only 25 percent effective at the most of the strongest strain. Yeah. 
So that's why it was such a rough flu, flu season last year. So when you're going to your doctor, you're going to get most likely the trivalent unless you fall into there. But anybody who has any other diseases such as diabetes or heart failure or that sort of thing should also make sure that they have that. Once again, it's incredibly important because their immune system is already a little weakened. I should also say it's incredibly important that we're getting enough rest. The CDC says we're supposed to get seven and a half hours of sleep each and every day. And that's because that sleep and our immune system are intimately involved with each other. It's very important that you're getting that sleep because if not, you'll wake up and one restless night can really wreak havoc on your immune system. That it can. I know that because nothing's worse than not getting a good night's sleep, especially if, you know, you're used to being able to do that in there. Yeah. Right. So, we're being preventative to be able to do this. I know, I know families with children, it is, you know, they're like little Petri dishes coming home from school and everything, <laughs> just infecting everything around them. Yeah. Um, so there's ways that we can be kind of preventative, but let's talk about um, when it does arrive. Yeah, you know, yeah, somebody you in know. the family gets the flu, now what? Yeah, and, and you know, one thing I should, I, and I'm going to mention something about that. One thing I should have mentioned as well, Bonnie, is that the number one thing we should be doing is washing our hands, right? Oh, yes. Hand washing is the most important thing to keep from getting the flu. And long enough to be able to say happy birthday to me twice. So you make sure that you're also washing long enough. That's okay, the other important it. thing. Now, now, the thing should you come down with some of these symptoms, the things that are incredibly important is that you stay hydrated. Hydration is key because when you're dealing with something like the flu, you're losing a lot of what we call insatiable losses of fluid, whether it's sweating, whether there's vomiting, whether there's diarrhea, and dehydration can cause big problems in your body during this time of year when you come down with the flu or even a cold for that matter. One of the things I talk a lot about, some people aren't fans of water, Bonnie, so coconut water is a great mm -hmm. way uh, to make sure you get a lot of the potassium that you can lose whether you're having diarrhea or whether you're having that vomiting. Some of the electrolytes, uh, they actually have natural electrolyte beverages, not some of the ones over the counter that are very sugary um, that can really cause a, a big problem as well. So you want to make sure that you're staying hydrated throughout this time of year at all, at all costs. And, you know, that I think is a, that in itself I think is a big problem because when we get into the colder season – I think people drink less because they're not sweating out as much and we're not, we don't feel as thirsty or dehydrated because I noticed that about me. It's like in the wintertime, I'm like, I got to be really conscious of how many times I filled up my glass. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. I'll go a whole day and I still have some of that glass in front of me and I'm like, wow. And I'm, I'm tired. I'm lethargic from not drinking enough water. So that's a, that's a really good tip this time of year is to make sure that we're drinking water. And for me, it's like, I just drink it at room temperature. It doesn't have to be cold. Yeah. I'm you know, with you. Because I, I just need to stay hydrated and everything. So that, that is certainly a big one. All right. What else? We are hydrating ourselves. You know, the other thing that's important as well is that, you know, one of the things we always think about is we say, okay, I don't want to come down with the flu or get exposed when we think about it when we're out. But what about at home? Something is happening in February that is very important that we all get prepared for, and that's Super Bowl parties. They were doing some <laughs> stuff. People are still having those? Can you believe it? You know, the, the, the funny part, Bonnie, is that they did a study. I think it was through Tulsa University, but they did a study, and it's one of the worst places to be to avoid the flu or colds this time of year because it's probably a lot because of the double dipping 
um, that can sometimes take place. But once again, <laughs> I know, I know. I hate to say it. I, I put it out there. Um, but when we're but with friends and family, we don't make that big of a deal about it. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. But you but know that one that one video clip of the guy at the at the grocery store with the yeah. um the 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 self serve and he tried the soup with the ladle and put it back in there, <laughs> and we're all oh like, God. oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. But when we're with our friends and family, we're double dipping all day long. I know because you also don't want the other family member to not think you don't want to eat after them, right? So there's a whole <laughs> bunch of of different psychology that goes in. That's a total different discussion. But I'll, I'll tell you this here, though. One of the things you're thinking about, so that's the Super Bowl parties, but when you're home, there's things right there in your living room. If you're watching this in the living room, look at the remote control. Take uh. a peek at it. Look at your iPad or your cell phone and those fingerprints that are just little germs that are visible to you. Those uh. are things you got to wipe down and think about that to prevent illness. It's true. So does a product like Lysol, where they say it kills 99.9% .9 germs, I mean, is that, is that valid? Can we spray these things with Lysol? Well, the same problem that, that Lysol has is some of the, some of the antibacterial, like the, uh, really uh, not necessarily Purell, but those type or that sort of thing, is that you only get the best activity when the surface is wet. And guess what happens with things that are alcohol-based, guys? They dry. And then once they dry, if you're not protected, that doesn't make a big difference. That doesn't help. In fact, we already know that the flu itself can live 24 hours on hard surfaces. So it's important that you're wiping down the surfaces as much as you can, but you want to keep it as moist and as wet on those surfaces because, once again, when it dries, you don't get the same killing effect as you do when it's actually wet at the so same time. So you clean a surface, it dries, yeah. It can get contaminated again and live for 24 hours. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Yes, it can. But that's why you come back and you wipe again and you make sure that you're there. But that's why it's important to just think of these things. Being a little even more cognizant of this will make a big, big difference. Yeah. Um, so there's got to be like certain rooms in the house that are more prone to these type of germs living a little bit longer than others. Yeah, you know, one of them obviously is the bathroom. It's a little bit easier to, to think about the, the bathroom being a real problem space. We already talked about the importance of hand washing. So when you're there, but there's something else that's, that, that is important to think about. I don't know about you, Bonnie, but I remember as a kid growing up. Now, I'm an only child, so I didn't have too much traffic uh, coming in and out of the house. But the point is, is that you go into the house, everyone would come visit, they go to the bathroom, they wash their hands, and everyone's using the same towel to dry their hands afterwards. <laughs> it's, so I, it's so true. It is. It is. And I'm here to tell everyone, I give you the Red Cross sign. That's a no. I want you to think about getting some of those really nice hand towels that are disposable like you get at these nice hotels. You want to get those. You want to wipe your hands, dry your hands, ball them up, and throw them in the trash can. Now, I don't want to stop there. I want to make sure that you have a trash can that has a lid on it. And the reason why is because when you're blowing your nose and you're wiping your hands, there's a lot of things that are aerosolized up in the air that also has the ability to get you sick as well. And the flu virus can live up to 15 minutes on tissues. So therefore, if you have a top, you can actually kind of stamp out your exposure to the flu, should you have that or any other colds or cold viruses as well. I'm so going to go clean my house after this show. <laughs> <laughs> and get rid of my hand towels. I know. Please do. Please. <laughs>
they need to make them. You know how we all have racks in our in our yeah. bathrooms where you hang a hand towel? They need to yes. make those disposable ones that will fit on those racks so we don't keep putting towels there. You know what, Bonnie? They do. They have them now. So they do have them, and it fits. It wedges in there perfectly. There's not oh, too well, many that's perfect. towels in there. Is my only concern. There's not a lot in there. Um, but the point is, is that, yes, they made them. They wedge right in between the wall and the rack, and you can pull them right down. It's perfect. Oh, that's really good idea, especially for the for the restrooms in the home that you kind of multiple people go in and out a lot. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Very yeah. important there in the bathroom. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the bathroom, and I can imagine, what about, you know, what about our other living spaces and sleeping uh, spaces? Yeah, the other part is the bedroom. And the bedroom is because obviously that's where you're going to lots of times have your closer contact with your partner. So this is the time that should one of you come down, someone's got to go to the sofa. I vote for the guy, just so you know. Uh, but the point is, is that you, this, yeah, you know, this healthy person go to the sofa. Let the sick person out of the bed. All right, that's even better. I like that. Um, because that's important, very important, because obviously the close contact, so that's a no-brainer. Keep in mind, should you sneeze or cough on the healthy person, that's up to about 2,000 virus-laden particles that has been shown or, or, or spewed over to that person. So you don't want to be that close if you don't have to. You also want to make sure that you're washing your linens at least once a week. So yeah. your linen, as far as your bed sheets, is, and also your pillowcase, obviously. But those are some things that you want to make sure that you're keeping that going often as well. Oh, oh gosh, you're making me nervous now. <laughs> There's, there's so much to think about, but we become conscious of it when somebody gets sick or when we get sick. Then we yeah. realize that we have to be far more sanitary in our approach. We, are, we do. And by that time, sometimes, Bonnie, it's too late. You've already come down with those horrible symptoms that just kind of knock us down for the count. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're knocking us down a lot longer. It's, you know, we used to have like that back in the day. It used to be like, oh, a 24-hour bug. And it would come yeah. and it would go. And you'd kind of, you know, you'd have a couple days of trying to just get back to normal. But honestly, people are telling me two and three weeks. And you're right. It ends up going into that where um, pneumonia is the risk. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, they're still coughing. They're still wheezing. They're still weak. Yeah, absolutely. And imagine that in someone who's 65 years old or 80 years old or what have you. And imagine that or bring that down to the baby that's six months old. So you start to recognize that there's so much more to the flu than just what influenza, the virus causes itself. In fact, you help, rem help me remember one thing, Bonnie. This isn't a place where antibiotics are going to be helpful. Antibiotics don't help with the flu because the flu is a virus. Antibiotics are only for bacteria. So don't get upset if you get to your doctor, they don't give you a prescription. They're just practicing good, hardcore medicine there. But what about that shot that they can give you now to be able to diminish the flu? Once you have it, you can go get a shot. Well, actually, you know, it's interesting. They have different pills that are out, but within that 48-hour window. Yeah. yeah, within the 48-hour window. Um. But I'll tell you, it's tough because not everybody understands they have the flu within 48 hours. They'll call you on day on day on hour 72 day three and you're outside of that window so that's when you start to have that challenge is is the 48 hour is that the good number then so if somebody does come down with the flu they are highly contagious in that timeline oh well actually the studies have shown that that person was possibly contagious three or four days before 
they're actually pre pre presented with those symptoms, honestly. But that 48-hour window just happens to be the window where we understand that that medication is more effective. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, yep. So we're just, we're just going to go down for the count if somebody near us gets this, if our immune system is not up to par. There you go. And we talked yes. about some ways to, to, to boost it. You're right. Yeah. I love those. I, okay. So let's, let's narrow down here. So first of all, um, your book is called Bond. Yes. And that, that's available on Amazon, I'm sure. It is, you know, it's been doing, it's been doing very well on Amazon. I think it's because a lot of people find things in there that says, you know, I can try some of these things. And I think that it's, it's doing what I wanted to do. Hopefully start conversation and make patients happy and figure out how to get their doctor on the page so that that bond can actually be there. Perfect. And do you have some social and websites you can share with us so that we can stay connected to you, Dr. Red Cross? Absolutely. So my website is drkenredcross.com. My Twitter is at Dr. Ken Red Cross, and Instagram is, once again, Dr. Ken Red Cross. Easy. Easy for us to remember. Perfect. So we're going to stay in touch. We're going to be as healthy as we can um, during Good. the flu season. I love all of the suggestions that you gave me. First of all, I love having a better relationship with your doctor because if I think that we have that better relationship and we're bonding more with them, then it makes sense that we're going to live healthier lives, and we're not yep. going to be so fearful of going to visit them when things maybe aren't good for us. You're right. Absolutely right. And that's what the data shows. You have better health healthcare outcomes when you feel like you can give your doctor a call, especially during times like the flu season. Yeah, definitely. And we're all going to wash our hands a great deal more. We're going to get immune boosting uh, food from the grocery store and we're going to be very cleanly and sanitize areas. If in fact, any one of our family members or ourselves comes down with the flu so that we're not spreading this because it does become an epidemic and um, it's hard to recoup. It's hard to bounce back. Um, so let's have this season be the healthiest season we can have. I love it. I'm on board for that. Perfect. Thank you so much. You've been so informative. I am, I am scared and so much more informed. <laughs> oh, well, I like the informed part. Yes. Yeah. Very informed. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to stay as healthy as I can this season. And we look forward. I, I want to hear more. Um, we'd love to have you back and talk about more of your concierge services and, and how that. we can learn more to have better relationships with our doctors in the future as well. I would love that, Bonnie. Thank you so much. Stay healthy and whole, everyone. Thank you so much. And you can get uh, Dr. Ray Cross's book, Bond, on Amazon. So thanks for joining us here, everybody. We're, we're going to kick off a great new year. Stay with us each and every week, Thursdays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we've got some great shows lined up. If you're interested in being a guest, feel free to email me at bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. And, of course, follow me on my social media sites, Facebook, Beauty Inside and Out Show, Instagram, Beauty Inside and Out Show, and Twitter is Beauty In Out Show. I always love having you here, and I always want to remind you to be you in beauty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Beauty Inside and Out. Please join your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.